and the NIV version. <clears throat> so I always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this, of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. Now I'll make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. For we do not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we are eyewitnesses of his majesty. We received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard his voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning, and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that, understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For, 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 for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Many years ago, a young man moved to Winnipeg from somewhere else. He was a relatively new Christian, and he became very motivated and decided that he needed to get really serious about studying the Bible. So he thought, okay, I'm going to enroll in a course in one of the local universities and study the Bible at a very greater depth and intensity. He came into my office one day and said, I signed up for some Bible courses at the university. I said, oh, okay. And a few days later, he came back and said, I decided to drop by and meet my professor and just kind of get to know him and find out where he's coming from. And after talking to him, he said that the professor said, you're too serious about the Bible. It doesn't really matter. And this new Christian said he dropped his course. Much of the world does not think the Bible matters, that it's not important. And as we think about this, and we're going to have to move through some things very quickly, uh, what I want to do is try to reinforce some ideas for you about the Bible and about its importance, about why it matters. Now, on the, uh, all right, this is on, and that's not working. Phew, I think it would be fun if I get my exercise while I'm doing this. Okay. All right, on the, in the bulletin, there's an article that I put in there with some background material on the Bible. And some of you have probably read it. Some of you have ignored it. I would encourage you to read it because I thought, okay, there's so many things that I need to talk about that kind of relate to this, that if I can put some of the information there and you can read about the background of the Bible, that would be helpful. Uh, in brief, the Bible was written by about 40 different people over a period of about 2,000 years. That in itself is just amazing to me. 
we're going backwards. All right. The Old Testament was completed, you know, as a, as a, you know, those, those, those 39 books were completed by about the third century. BCE means before the common era. Uh, used to be called before Christ, but you know, much of the world doesn't believe in Christ, so that's not uh, a dating thing. So they've changed it to BCE and CE for common era and before the common era. So, so th- we would look at it that three centuries before Jesus came to earth, the Old Testament was complete. The New Testament... Uh, and okay, and just to mention that the that the originally written in Hebrew and a Greek translation was was made of that, you know, again before Christ. Uh, the New Testament was written and complete in the first century of the Common Era. In other words, we would say that uh, A.D. does not mean after death; it means it's Latin for anno domini. Don't ask me why one was in English before Christ and the other was in Latin anno domini, but. Uh, means in the year of our Lord. If you hear that expression sometimes in very old things. So uh, we're 2,000 years, literally, after the creation of the Bible. And that creates a lot of questions. But the Bible remains and has been the most widely published book. Uh, and you think about... How many Bibles you have at home? You're like, oh, yeah, you go. Uh, and you got your phone, you got your computer. I said to Diana, I was going to say, you know, hold your Bible up, but I wonder how many people hold their phone up. Uh, because that's what we use now. But whether or not it's a book, as we think of a book, or whether the material is, is in electronic form, we have access to that information. But the question we want to start to deal with today, and then we can start the discussion, we'll continue the discussion in the class, in the multipurpose room, and I'm sure you'll have a lot of questions. Uh, but did the Bible come about by chance? Did that, did all of those books, all of that information, all of that writing just kind of fall together? And that, I realized by wording it that way, that kind of, all right, did it come by a conspiracy? Did some people plan as, oh, yeah, we're going to take over the world? Uh, but, you know, if you think of both of those, that's extremely unlikely because of the size, because of the time, because of the geography that's all involved with that. Or was it from God? Was it caused? So just kind of be thinking about that. So. Our reading was for Second Peter chapter 1, verses 12 to 15. So we want to deal with where did the Bible come from, why is it needed, and what does it do? All right, so was the Bible caused by God? That's really the question. Well, you know, in a, in a legitimate conversation uh, or discussion, we kind of need to start with a question, which God? There are thousands of gods in the world. People worship anything. You know, we, I used to joke about the idea that sometimes there's some people would worship a doorknob. You know, it's just uh, people will worship and, and deify. That's make a god of almost anything. Which god? Well, we'll talk about that in a minute, but we kind of understand that it's going to be the god of the Bible. The Bible claims 
to have come from God, which is an important thing because that is either the result of chance, a conspiracy, or God genuinely did create it. I, well, Peter says here that uh, it was inspired as men were moved by the Holy Spirit, that God caused the Bible to be written. Uh, if that's so, uh, one of the things that I like to think about, and the way I like to put this, is that God's fingerprint should be evident in the Bible. I won't be talking in a minute more about what that means, but in others, that there should be evidence that it's coming from something other than human beings. As we're doing this conversation or discussion, we need to address and think about the idea that we, we really need to stretch our hearts and minds. You know, when we talk about God, if you're comfortable talking about God and thinking about God, you're probably really not thinking about God. What do I mean? Okay. God is infinite. God is eternal. Our minds like limits. We are more comfortable in a large room like this with a floor and walls and ceilings than we are outside. We're thinking, you know, sometimes you ever sit outside or lie down in the grass outside on a clear night in the summer where you can see the stars and you start thinking about how many stars there are and how many of those things you see as stars are uh, galaxies. And there are billions and billions of stars. Oh, wait, your mind's starting to go? There are millions of galaxy, galaxies composed of millions of stars. Once we start, you know, and, and our, our minds, we want to find limits. Like, how far, how We have trouble grasping. And unfortunately, what we try to do is we try to reduce God to a box like this. Or to a book. A number of years ago, there was a couple of books. There was a, there was a book that was really good. I, I, I like, uh, and it was, Your God is Too Small. So we need to think about what we're talking about with God. We need to enlarge and stretch our hearts and our minds for this discussion. We need to move beyond platitudes. And I'm going to say this, uh, try to say it kindly, but you know, we say things like, the Bible is the Word of God. You know, that's W-R-D-A-G-O-D. And we go, Word of God, Word of God, Word of God. And it sounds like just repetitive platitude. Look at Psalm 119. The 119th Psalm is a psalm of praise to, the, to God's word, to the law of God. It's the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's composed of a series of eight verse stanzas. Each stanza begins with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet, you know, in, in the Hebrew. And in each stanza, there are seven different words for the word or law of God. And we need to kind of realize that 
that the word, the God's word, is huge. And we not just reduce it to the platitude word of God. That we need to realize that there are many other ways to say that and express that. But we need to say it and read it with meaning. And I'm very thankful uh, that the reading was done this morning that way. So, Peter says that what we followed was not cleverly devised. The, the version we read this morning said stories. Some of them will say myths. It was not a once upon a time. Those of us who are parents know that reading fairy tales to our kids and a fairy tale, which is a made-up story, starts off with once upon a time. And we know that that's a story. That's not true. That's not real. Peter says that's not what we heard. That the Bible is about real people in real places and real events. We've got to get that that picture, that reality. Um, so, Bible shows organization and purpose. Uh, and I said we're going to have to move through these, but you know, you, you think about what reflects that fingerprint of God. It is unique. It's complex. It's designed. It goes beyond the the, the elements of the Bible. Go f- beyond anything that you could create by chance. There's a unity and a consistency of the Bible as we flow through it. And so the Bible is about God, but it's not a God that we, humanity, created. Because the God revealed in the Bible is too huge, too vast, too eternal, too infinite. That we can't just contain him to a book or to a box. He is portrayed in the Bible as eternal and spiritual. So the Bible should reflect that perspective. You know, when you're studying literature, one of the things that's important when in reading somebody's writing is say, okay, what perspective is this writer coming from? Well, the voice of the Bible comes from the eternal. I love the book of Ecclesiastes. Because it is written from the perspective of a very depressed human being. He is just ready, just so frustrated. He's finding, and and he uses the expression, repeats it, vanity. That's empty. Everything is meaningless, useless, purposeless. And he's just looking at life in the world by itself. And it concludes at the end. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole of man. The writer of Ecclesiastes realizes that as Proverbs says, that the way of man is not in himself. We're we're not going to find the way and the purpose in life that we want. And so this fingerprint is that The Bible is consistent with the concept of an eternal creator, reflecting his intelligence, his power, his design. 
And so that is seen in some very interesting things. And we're not cooperating now. Can we, uh, there. Alright. Many of us are familiar with John Clayton. Clayton was, uh, the product, he grew up in a home that was atheistic. His parents were atheists. He chose university to go study atheism. His, his goal in life was to defeat the idea of God once and forever. And the more he studied, and the more he considered the evidence of science, he became a believer. Uh, we've been privileged to have Clayton a couple times here come to speak and run a workshop here. Uh, Clayton publishes uh, a quarterly magazine, many of you pick it up in the lobby, called Does God Exist? His website is doesgodexist.org. His videos are doesgodexist.tv. Now, you can get to this, you know, and the does God exist is just like one word, no, no spaces. And the materials that he has prepared over the years, basic, many of them out of the scientific world are just amazing. But one of the things that he likes to point to are, are scientific foreknowledge. Things that are revealed in the Bible that were centuries before they were known by humanity. I'm just going to mention two. Number one is blood. Why is a barber pole red and white? Now, we don't see many barber poles anymore. That's where guys used to go to get their head, head, hair, haircut. Uh, head cut. Uh, haircut. Uh, well, back in the old days, it was because when you got sick, it was believed that you were sick because you had bad blood. And so how did you, how were you going to get better? You would be bled. They would cut you and let you bleed out that bad blood. You know, we're talking about a, a relationship we've had with somebody that goes, goes sour called bad blood. The legend of Robin Hood. Go back and read that original story. Robin Hood dies because he was sick and he was bled. We would use the expression today, he was bled out. Well, you know, go back to the Bible, centuries before, since the life is where? In the blood. The other one that really hit me when I was a teenager, and we, we were in science class, and we were learning about the history of the microscope, found out in 1600 that it was, was invented. I that for the first time, now think about that. That's just 400 years ago. The humanity was able to begin to see the microscopic world and to realize all of the things that we can't see. And the writer of Hebrews says, the things that are seen are made up of things that are not seen. The Bible has many, and Clayton has, has many of those. So the, the, the perspective that's seen in terms of the foreknowledge is just amazing. Uh, fulfilled prophecy. This is one, and I wanted to spend more time with this, and I can't, but think about if the Old Testament was complete 300 years, or about 300 years before Christ was born, 
Go back and read Psalm 22 or Isaiah 53. They are both foretelling the death of Jesus. They give detail. Psalm 22, verse 1, begins with the words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's what Jesus said on the cross. Centuries later, the idea of fulfilled prophecy, and, and I have done a sermon uh, that I talked about the story of Jesus using only Old Testament passages. The only way that the story of Jesus could have been written centuries before his birth is because of God. And so we see that evidence of him working through it. And so when we look at the Bible and we start to understand this, it brings us to awe and wonder. But even, or especially in the New Testament, and we see here in Peter talking about the fact that what he has written is what he saw and what the other apostles saw. It's called eyewitness testimony. You know, there's a, you know, say there's a traffic accident out here at the intersection. Well, the police are going to be able to analyze a certain amount of information from the, from the cars that are involved in the crash and from the nature of the damage. But let's say one of the vehicles is, does a hit and run and the driver runs away. Well, how are they going to put it together? Well, they're going to interview people that saw the accident. Those are called eyewitnesses. And the idea of eyewitnesses being able to say, this is what I saw. And you put that together from different accounts. So Peter has this, as we just read, John. Oh, I love John as he gets into this in First John. What we have seen, what we have heard, what our eyes have beheld, what our hands have touched concerning the word of life. John is telling us that what he wrote about Jesus in his gospel is a first-hand account of his experience with Jesus Christ. Peter has done it. John has done it. Paul has a similar experience with Jesus. He wasn't there during Jesus' ministry, but he can say, I saw Jesus. And Luke says, I wanted to find out for sure to Theophilus, and I wanted you to know for sure the things that you have been taught. So I interviewed all of these witnesses. And so the credibility of multiple witnesses to the account and to the story. You know, when you pick up the New Testament, it's not, oh, ho, hum, this is just an old, this is just an old book. It's not relevant. It's not important. Man, you are missing it. It's the fascinating, wondrous account of people who lived and knew and experienced and heard what they wrote about. 
Why do we need the Bible? Well, Peter says here, he wanted to remind, refresh, and for them to remember. I mean, as I'm getting older, my memory is getting less and less perfect. Donna can tell you that. But, you know, when I turn to the pages of the, of the Bible, I'm back into those events. I'm back into those teachings. We have what I would call a shared historic faith. It was lived out 2,000 years ago in terms of the New Testament. But it hasn't changed. It's still there. And every time we open the Bible, we can go back and renew it. So that we can know with certainty. We can know what we believe. So as the psalmist says, about God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So, the writer of Hebrews says the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You know, if you ever read a passage or you heard a lesson or somebody has said something from the Bible and it has just gone right through here. God's word has a way of digging in and turning and twisting and <laughs> and we just we it's inescapable because it is so powerful. So what does it do? It brings us to God. Uh, at one point, the crowds, in, in the Gospel of John, the crowds were deserting Jesus. And Jesus said to his disciples, the apostles said, Are you going to go too? And they said, Well, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. They knew that this was more than just a factual information. They knew this was essential, that it mattered. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and they may have it abundantly. So think of the Bible as a user manual for, for life. Uh, because it does speak to our hearts and lives. So what happens when people fully believe and follow God's word? Okay. Many years ago, we were down in New Mexico and Susan and her family lived in Las Cruces, and we decided to drive up to uh, Albuquerque. So we're on the interstate, and the kids needed a rest stop. You know what a rest stop is, right? No. Okay, so we pulled in a rest stop on the interstate there. And it's a cute little, quaint little adobe village kind of a thing. And there were the, the men's room and the ladies' room, and there was the, the tourist center. And there was the little building with the uh, vending machines. And there was the grassy area for people to walk their dogs. And by the grassy area, there was this sign. Do you see what that is? If that's not registering, that's a rattlesnake. That's a warning sign telling you, that you go out into that grassy area 
at your own peril. A few years after that, we were uh, in Colorado. Uh, Colorado Springs, there's a, a, a fabulous uh, natural formation called Garden of the Gods. And on the walkways around there, there was a sign like this that said, Don't walk off the path with a picture of a rattlesnake. Now, suppose you say, or you look at that and say, well, you know, that person doesn't really know what they're talking about. Or that's an old sign. It doesn't really matter. Or I don't need that. It's not important to me. What would you think about that person? You kind of wonder, wouldn't you? I don't know about you, but I have a healthy respect for rattlesnakes. I've seen them live. And I'd just as soon not tangle with one. But that sign has information that I need to know when I'm in that place. And the Bible is the same thing. So what will we do with the Bible? Well, what happens when people fully believe and follow the Bible? The world becomes a better place. They become better people. You know, the influence of the Bible and effect of the Bible is important. It's not just an intellectual thing. You know, I know that I tend to talk factually. And I like to present facts and to share facts. But the reality is that the whole purpose of the teaching is because facts brings us closer to God. Facts helps us to know our Creator and our Savior. So, and I'm just going to say, what will we do? If we really take the Bible seriously, we'll know Jesus. We'll take the Bible seriously because it matters. We'll read it. We'll learn and know it. We'll live it. We'll grow in it. Be shaped by it. We'll share and teach it. We need to encounter the Word of God seriously. Not just... And I, I thought about asking them to, you know, one of the guys to lead the song, The Bible's on the Back Seat of the Church Building. But that's unfortunately true, isn't it? We tend to leave the Bible on a shelf rather than to engage with the words of eternal life. Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that is in you. That is the tool that we have with the Bible. Now, you probably have a ton of questions, and we'll deal with some of those in the uh, multipurpose room afterward. We always close our time with a song that's designed or intended to help us to engage with God and with his word. And I always think about the fact that I, over the years I've seen people who their hearts were moved and turned and challenged by God's word. That's one of the things that to me really affirms what it is.
And I sometimes see that that person is just holding on to the chair in front of them, resisting responding. It's one of the reasons why I think it's important for us to say, you can do it at any time. You can talk with, with Jay, with Miles, with any of, one of the other elders, with me. We're here to help you with your encounter with the Jesus, with the God that is revealed in the Bible. Let's stand as we sing our closing song.